Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 94 of ADHD for Smartass Women. This episode is brought to you by Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, our six-step system that shows you how to fall in love with your ADHD brain. If you'd like more information, join our waitlist at tracyotsuka.com forward slash waitlist. Today, I am going to introduce you to Jamie Harris, and I just have this idea that this is going to be a fun one. So Jamie is 29 years old, and she's from Essex, just outside of London, and she was a paparazzi for 10 years and now works for celebrity magazines as a picture researcher. Jamie, welcome. Did I get that right? You did. You did. That is all all right. (laughs) Wonderful. So I obviously have a pretty good idea, but why don't we start with you telling us what's a paparazzi? Basically, I did take pictures of celebrities. I also work with them. So it's not as bad as people think. It's not all, although there was a few cases, it's, it still can be quite friendly. Okay. I'm going to get all into that, of course. We were just talking about Love Island UK. (laughs) So what is a picture researcher? So basically what I do now is I pick the pictures that go on the page in a magazine. Basically, I buy the pictures from the paps who I was friends with. Got it. So do you work for the celebrity magazines are you like a freelancer or do you actually work for them? No, I work for them now. So I work for Closer Magazine and Heat Magazine, which are kind of like, I'd say like Us Weekly people type magazines. Okay, comparable to yeah. what we have in the US. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk all about your business, but before we go there, can we talk about ADHD first? Of course. Okay. So let's start with when you were diagnosed. I was diagnosed... I think I'm about 10 years old, so I'm 29 now, um, which was quite young and quite early because it wasn't really around back then. But all I remember was going to all these different psychiatrists and my mum saying to me, right, you're going to be doing like these puzzles and things, just act like you normally would. 
And I remembered a psychiatrist that came to my house and I put on my dad's tie and I was just doing all these dances and just being myself, basically. And then I got told, well, my parents and I got told I have ADHD. And all I knew then was I got put straight onto Ritalin. And also all I knew was that, right, I'm going to be taking this medication three times a day and that is going to help me concentrate at school. So what happened? I mean, why did your parents even ask you to see a psychologist? Did it start in at school? Did the teachers ask? Or when, Growing up, I was a very distract, disruptive child. Um, I was very naughty, very fidgety, very hyperactive, basically. What I does that look like? Like, can you give us some, <laughs> like, what is a naughty, disruptive <laughs> child? Um, I just... I was always in trouble. I was always kind of acting up. I'd like really quick with my anger, very impulsive and everything. Um, and, and I wasn't academic. I just remember being so frustrated that I couldn't, I couldn't understand things at school. So I think it was from then that I went to a psychiatrist. I don't really remember being told I was going to one. I just remember going to one. And are you an only child? No, I've got two older sisters. Okay, so your parents had your two sisters, and then based on you being third, they kind of said, eh, she's not acting like the other two. Yes. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Got it. Okay, and then what happened? Um, So I got put on Ritalin, and all I remember was my mum actually worked at my school at the time, I think elementary school maybe, it's called my primary school yeah. and I'd go to her and take take my lunchtime pill and yeah it was all right but then I went into secondary school middle school maybe can I back up a little bit can yes. I ask you when you took the riddle in did you notice a big difference like how did it work oh I hated it I felt like I was a zombie mm-hmm. it just made me not me but the teachers loved it everyone loved it because because I was quiet yeah basically and I just I can't even explain the feeling it was like I couldn't even speak it was strange did you get better in school or were you just a quiet little zombie that now sat in the corner I don't think I got better at school at all sometimes I felt like it didn't really work or even my teachers would be like have you taken your pills today and I was mm. like, oh, great. Mm. And I was always in the bottom sets at school. So I wasn't academic at all. So I'm dyslexic as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was just so frustrated that I couldn't, well, my sisters are really academic. I couldn't be like them. I couldn't be like my friends. And now half the time I'm acting up at school because I I can't do the work. So I'm going to be silly and make the, the my friends laugh. I liked it when I got sent outside at school because it meant I didn't have to be in the class. <laughs> you were smart even then yeah (laughs) but yeah sometimes it would just take over and I would just sit there feeling weird so now looking back on all this do you see any of these symptoms that you had in either one of your parents funny enough my mum recently got so my mum has got Tourette's syndrome. She got diagnosed about 10 years ago. And recently she got diagnosed with ADHD, which actually makes sense because I can see it now. Ah. (laughs) I love it. So I'm curious, how did she feel about 
having this 10-year-old child that needed to be medicated at school in order to, I guess, sit in the corner like a zombie. Was she conflicted or did she think it was the right thing to do? I always talk to her about this. She says at the time, she always did what she thought was best for me at the time. And she was always my biggest supporter. My mum would buy like the teachers books and things and like, try and give them resources. But still, they didn't understand it because it was still very new back then. It wasn't a very well-known thing, even though, and I still find it to this day, if I say to someone, oh, I've got ADHD, a lot of them kind of roll their eyes or they'll just say, that's not an excuse or something like that. But my mum was really, really supportive of me and she would do her best. She under, She's a teacher and she understood that not everyone works the same way. And I think that really helped. Did she have the same struggles that you had as far as in school? Because it's interesting, she's a teacher, right? Yeah. I don't think she did, but I know she was a little bit naughty at school as well. <laughs> so I feel feel uh, it was we're kind of the same like that when I hear stories. Quite cheeky. Yeah. I love those kind of kids. Okay. <laughs> so what happened then? I guess your secondary school, right? Yeah, secondary school. So same thing, but I think I acted out even more in secondary school because the work got harder and I just didn't feel supported by my teachers at the time. And I think it was at 16, we did our GCSEs, which are exams. And I remember in the summer I was saying like, mom, I want to be normal. I want to be normal. Were you I, I still don't... on Ritalin by the way? Yes. Yes. All the way up to 16. Until then I said, mom, please, can I come off them? I want to be normal. And so I came off them. It was the six weeks holiday so she could see how I was doing. And I did come off them. I took them again when I was 18 to do exams. But then I've been off them ever since. So, Jamie, you were off of the Ritalin for holiday for six weeks. And what happened? I don't really remember much, but what I do remember is I remember it was tough. Like I felt like all these like emotions and like things were just all at once. It just all came out of nowhere. I just had like a big like burst of energy. I was finally being able to like feel again. Oh. So when you were on Ritalin, you had trouble feeling. Yes. And that's where you get the the adjective zombie from then, or the description zombie from. Yeah. And I also lost my appetite when I was on them. It made my face really like gaunt. It just changed me in so many ways. That's so interesting. Okay. So then you went back on it, I guess, then after six weeks? I think I did. I think I was doing it like not every day. And then I did come off it for about two years where I only took it when I needed it for exams. So it did seem to help you with exams. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it did, yeah. And so then at 18, you took it to get through the exams, and then since then you haven't been on them? No, but actually, most recently, I actually asked my doctor to see if I could go back on them because I was struggling to work from home, and I wanted to see now, as I'm older, how I would feel myself, how, because I know myself so well now, how I can actually monitor if it was going to work for me this time or not. So I'm just waiting. I actually have to be assessed again, bizarrely. They're saying I have to be assessed again so I, to see if I can have some medication again. Got it. Okay, so after the exams at 18, what happened then? 
I left school. I didn't go to uni, obviously. I wasn't academic. And every one of my friends went to uni. My sister went to university. So I already, I always, I felt different all my life. I was always going a different path where everyone else has gone, up, gone down. I then got a job at a photography studio where I was doing family portraits, which was great. It taught me things, but it was a bit monotonous for me. And then somehow I just kind of stumbled into the paparazzi business. <laughs> when you say somehow you just sort of stumbled, was there, can you give us an idea of how you stumbled? Oh, I did. So <laughs> there was like... There was like an advert which I stumbled upon saying paparazzi and I was like, what is this? And I, you would never see this advert now. So it was really bizarre. And it was quite bad because they were like £30 a day, which was so below minimum wage. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. This company's now gone bust now. But I, I went there. I went to have a little interview. But I think they didn't care. As long as you knew kind of how to take a picture, they were just employing anyone. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And I went to my first day and I got put with this with other, this other pap and we were, I was like, right, we're going to look for da- Lady Gaga. And I was like, what is going on? Where, what am I doing? <laughs> but I was 19 and I was so excited. I was really street smart anyway. My mum wasn't worried at all about me. I've always been street smart and things like that. I've always been, she calls me street rat because I'm always out <laughs> doing something. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of cute. So I would think that in the paparazzi business, as long as you bring them the photo, I mean, so there are companies that are paparazzi companies. It's not individual photographers who then... Um, No, there's like agencies. You can do it by yourself, but most photographers work for an agency and you split. You do like a 60, 40 split of the sales. And who gets the 60 and who gets the 40? You get the 60, they get the 40. Ah, okay. Well, that's better. (laughs) So it seems to me like being a paparazzi would be, I don't know, it sounds like a really ADHD-friendly occupation, right? Yeah, well, it was. Well, when I was working in central London, it was. I was, like, running around, doing loads of bits. But then when I actually got my nose broken twice, so I took myself out. (laughs) Yeah, I got punched, um, which is mad uh punched twice and then I decided to take myself out of the central London bit with all the pats and at the time there was a a program called the only way is Essex I don't know if you know it it's a reality show what is it called the only way is Essex the only way in Essex is Essex oh is Essex no I'm not familiar with it what is it? if you like Love Island you'll like it it's basically (laughs) like that help people (laughs) (laughs) yeah my you know my secret um advice I guess (laughs) so it was like a reality show where I lived so it couldn't have been more perfect it was literally on my high street where I lived so I started driving around them so being my own boss it was great but I need some days I'd have so much motivation some days I didn't and I'd only get paid if I took a picture and if it sold Mm -hmm. because I was only getting commission whereas some days I'd have to sit outside a place or a house and Oh my gosh, I'd get so distracted for You'd miss the picture, right? Yeah. Oh, many, many times. Yeah. Oh my god. I'd wait there. I'd wait somewhere like eight hours and I just like start scrolling or something and I look up and the car's gone. I'm like, oh (laughs) (laughs) great. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, but it does sound very ADHD friendly as far as you're pretty much making your own hours. When you're sitting there, at least you can be doing other things as long as you don't miss the photo opportunity, right? Yeah. And it sounds high adrenaline. I guess it's a little bit dangerous if you're telling me you got punched twice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the adrenaline is mad. Like I was shaking half the time, but it's fun. So is being a paparazzi, is that primarily a male-dominated occupation? It is. I was one of very, very, very few, I'd say two, two females, two, if that, two, three wow. females. Yeah, we tend to like that, don't we? Um, and, and, and not because, oh, we're the only woman, but I think that it's these kinds of high adrenaline, what are thought of as more masculine occupations that we kind of naturally gravitate towards. Yeah, I've always been a tomboy when growing up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've struggled with, it's so funny listening to this podcast, I've struggled with women relationships all my life. I've always got on better with boys. I'd play football with all the boys, like <laughs> like everything. I was such a tomboy, I still am. So when I went into a job which was male-dominated, although I knew it was male-dominated, I didn't really see it as that. I'm not, it wasn't like, oh, they're all men here. I just mm-hmm. saw... Just like when I play football, I like to play football. Oh, I like that job, so I'll do it. I never saw it as male-dominated, but it was. But I think with ADHD as well, you have a kind of like chutzpah. You've got a bit of like Mm -hmm. drive to do things like that. We like to kind of get our hands dirty. Yeah. So was it fun? It was fun. Whenever I tell people, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm paparazzi. They're like, okay, yeah, but what do you really do? I am. No, no, I'm not joking. That's my job. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Can it pay really well, Jamie? It can pay really well, but it can also pay really bad. It's, mm-hmm. It was so, it's so up and down. You don't know what you're getting each month. So it's not sustainable for forever. So can you give me an idea of like what kind of celebrity would you get a photo of and what could you make on that depending on, I mean, it, it's, I guess it would just depend on so many things, right? So many factors. So, like, it could be like an affair, or it could be yeah. That one would make a lot. I would yeah. yeah. Which I actually did catch someone having an affair, but then they kind of paid me. It was paid me off. It was all very, very strange and Uh (laughs) secretive. Or probably one of my biggest was just a reality star, just looking a bit rough without makeup because they don't normally look like that. That went for quite a bit of money. It, you don't know. The things that I thought would go for money never did, and the things I didn't think. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a waiting game. You kind of just wait, and then you get a call saying, oh, by the way, this went for this. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so who is calling you? Is the agency kind of tracking these people, and then they send the paparazzi out? Mm, no. It sounds so- like wild dogs and <laughs> terrifying, actually. <laughs> It's like a film, you know, where it's just a sudden you're going on a stakeout, like in a film when they always eat like donuts in the car. Uh-huh. That's what I imagined it to be like, which it actually is. All we do is sit and eat in the car. But basically, me being a woman, I used it as my forte. So when I had the reality show filming where I lived, I took that opportunity to start talking to them and just getting really friendly with them. And, and as a woman, they were like, Oh, well, that's different. So half the time when I was outside, like with celebrities, they'd be like, oh, women and look straight at me. So it was really good. So when I started talking to them, I created another Instagram called Diary of a Girl Pack where I would just reach out to female celebrities and I'd be like, listen, if you want to go away, we'll do some pictures. I'm a female. Maybe you're more comfortable with me. 
And it just went off from there. And I started to build up these relationships with these celebrities. And they'd text me when they're going out. I took them away to do like bikini pictures. Yeah, half the time it's them telling you where where they're going. Really? So it's yes. the, the actual stars, the people that you want to photograph. They're literally texting the paparazzi and saying, yeah. Come me. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and so, it, you know, because, I mean, paparazzi don't have the best name. No. But... When you're figuring that this is what's going on versus like with Princess Diana, where they're chasing her down. Yeah. Um, it's it, everybody's kind of sleeping in the same bed, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I get called that. People shouted that to me on the street. You killed Princess Diana. I'd oh. say it wasn't me. I was seven. <laughs> oh my gosh okay so back up again um as far as my question so um, how much money can you make for a photo like what's the how average much? price and then what's a really good price okay an average price would be about 200 pounds maybe and a really good price could be 10 grand 10 maybe. grand yeah okay i'm literally googling hold on but these prices have gone up down a lot in recently because of social media and everything like that oh really so basically if you got a set of someone but they've put a picture on social media they can take that for free so they're not going to pay for your pictures say that again so if you get a, a set of pictures of someone but they put it on social media oh, of course they can just grab it for free they won't pay for yours if they can get something for free so because of social media, are less and less people actually getting into this paparazzi yes. business? Oh, it's a, it's a dying job right now. Got it. Oh, I, I had not even thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So Jamie, tell us a fun paparazzi story. Um, okay, so I used to work with celebrities, so I'd go away with them and, and just work things out with them. And one time this reality star and she had a baby and we were going to do pictures but instead of bringing the baby outside we just got the pram and we put I think we put a doll in we don't even put a doll in the pram we just started walking around with this pram down the street and I'd take these pictures and then we sold it as like oh seen for the first time with her baby and she's like looking in the pram making faces but there wasn't anything in there <laughs> <laughs> There was nothing in the pram? No. And so how did you take the photos? It was just a picture of her in the pram? Yeah, like pretending to look inside the pram, <laughs> um, you know, making faces at the baby, pretend baby inside. And so and, that um, particular photo was sold as if these were the first, like, reveal yeah. of this, this baby, this celebrity's yes. baby. Oy. Okay. And um, I also, so basically celebrities normally do like fitness dvds and things like that so what we do we take them away and we do like fat before pictures so we'd put them in these tiny bikinis that don't fit them we'd make them eat a burger in these pictures or just look sit at really really unflattering angles and then a couple of months later you'll do like the thin pictures but on this certain trip i actually did the fat and thin pictures on the same time <laughs> <laughs> so it's all a setup is what you're telling oh. us Correct. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what is it, Jamie, about you and your ADHD that you think makes you good at this job? I think 
my impulsiveness. I think because you just, you just, I kind of think later. I got to take the pictures first, think later. I love the adrenaline of it. Mm -hmm. And there was, it was always so different every day that I wasn't getting bored. Did you like the people that you were working with as well? Yeah, I did. So it's really a small community. Like we all knew each other and they kind of looked after me as I was one of the only women. It was kind of like a little, little family. Do you think they had ADHD too? No. No. <laughs> and why do you no. say that? I just, well, I said we've all got to be a bit weird somehow to do this job. Like <laughs> we are not, we are not okay. Mm-hmm. But just being around them and still like when we'd wait around and were standing, I was always like pacing in circles or I had to do something. I was fidgeting and half of them wouldn't they just be like, just chilling. I don't think they, they did to be honest. I th- said maybe about one, but I wouldn't, normally I'm really good at working out who has ADHD mm-hmm. when I meet people, but I don't think a lot of them do. You know, and that's, that's kind of interesting because as I'm thinking about it, to be able to literally stay in place and not miss the picture. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be very hard to do that with ADHD. Yeah, it is. It was hard most of the time. Like, that's why I think every, most of the paps read each other all the time. We're so lonely in the car. I'm like, okay, I need to ring someone. I need to do something. Otherwise, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to miss it. But I had to be like, no, I haven't made any money this week. I need to sit here. <laughs> so when paps are calling each other back and forth, are you all like waiting for the same person or are you spread out all over? No, town? we're all spread out. It's all spread out in different places, unless you are working with someone who you need someone to go like the other end or somewhere. Most of the time, you're all dotted around. So in the time that you were working with these celebrities and you got to know them personally, was there someone that you especially liked? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say it was really, as I said, the reality show near me, it was great working with them. It's been on 10 years now. They, they're celebrating their 10 year anniversary. And I started, I started it at the same time they started filming. And half of them were really, really nice. And a few of them do speak, speak, speak to me now. But a few of them, it got to their heads and they kind of treat you a bit rubbish. Like, like you're their personal Instagram photographer or something. They just mm-hmm. like you're nothing. Or someone would go to me, oi, the girl, the girl, come here. Oh. And I'd be like, excuse me, I've, you know who I am. I've been here for years. The girl. <laughs> wow. And the girl has a name. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then what about the job working for the celebrity magazines as a picture researcher? How did that come about? And how does that kind of fit in with your brain? So I've only been here there since March, just before lockdown. I was really, really lucky, actually. Last year, I just became really, really unhappy. So I actually have battled like with anxiety and depression as well, which I also think is linked to my ADHD. Mm-hmm. I was really was struggling with my mental health, and I was like, this job is just crazy. There was so much bitchiness going on as well with the men sometimes, and just the celebrity world was just so consuming. And I was like, I've just bought my own my own apartment I was like I can't do this anymore because it's not I don't know what I'm getting each month I need to pay the bills so I started looking at different things and by chance there was a job going at, at um, one of the magazines so I applied I, I applied for it and they were like oh wow it's really interesting you want to come over to the other side and I was like yeah did the interview smashed it and 
I've worked there since March. I was only in the office for about three weeks and then lockdown happened. So ever since I've been working from home, which I thought I would struggle with, but I've actually, it's been okay at the moment. But basically, I love it because I'm, I'm still part of the same kind of industry. I talk to the paps every day. They still keep me involved in the gossip. So I know what pictures are coming in and I can think of what to put on the page and any ideas I can bring to the table as well because I'm normally the one whose pictures have been on the page, so I've got quite a good idea of what can go on there. Yeah, and it would seem that the relationships that you've built with the PAPs, that would really come in handy too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think that's what they like. That's wonderful. So you started out, you know, working as a PAP, did that for nine or 10 years, and now you have this profession at Celebrity Magazines as a picture researcher that you really love. Yeah, I love it. it. I've never been, I thought I was happy as a pet, but now I've, since I've had this job, I've never been happier as a, at a job. I just think it fits me perfect. That's wonderful. And what is it specifically that you love about it? I don't know. Well, I think the the routine. I, I had 10 years of what well, I thought I would struggle answering to someone as well and having a routine. But I actually had a week off a couple of weeks ago and I my mental health just spiraled because I didn't know what to do with myself after having a routine for six months. Routine is such a big thing for me. And when that gets knocked out of place, I just, I can't really cope. And you know what's so interesting, Jamie, is we all have this idea that we want to be free. We want it to be spontaneous, but we hate it. We need structure, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. It sort of calms our brains down. It reduces anxiety. We know what to expect. That is probably <laughs> the biggest aha for me as far as from the time I was diagnosed to, because my entire life, certainly before I was diagnosed, I was like always about the spontaneity. So I thought that I needed that to thrive, but it's actually the opposite. I like structure. Oh, totally. I hate it when I don't know what's going on. If someone asks me to do something, I have to write it down. I have to print it out and tick it off. Like lists are like my thing. I can't do something if it's just said to me. I don't process it. I need to write that down and tick it off. Uh, My mum was really good at starting me off with that. And I need to know where I'm going kind of at what time. If a plan changes, I don't really like it because I've kind of set in my mind what's going on. So is there anything else other than structure that you really love about this celebrity magazine picture researcher position? I think I kind of feel like I have a purpose and I've got a bit of praise, to be honest, whereas when I worked for myself for 10 years, no one was praising me but myself, if I would give myself praise. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think ever since growing up and, you know, being a disruptive child or whatever, I was always kind of put down at school and this and that so if I've been told it sounds quite you know not childish but to be told I'm doing a good job goes a long way with me well and that's that's a basic tenet of ADHD as far as I'm concerned it's all about the positive emotion and we do we have this idea that well we shouldn't need positive emotion but you know it's not negative in terms of I guess you can think of, oh, I can't function unless people are praising me, but that's not really how it is. It's just this ongoing encouragement, those gold stars that you're doing a really good job and that generates more positive emotion, which is what's responsible for motivating us. 
So I, I completely hear you on that. I mean, it's, you know, and I, and I think it is because of, you know, if you struggled as a child and you were constantly told everything that's wrong with you, you need that positive emotion to right the ship. And we know that since positive emotion is what pushes our motivation forward and makes us move forward and act more, that generates more positive emotion. So it's just this ongoing cycle, which I think is really important that we figure that out. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I just always grew up with feeling different and, oh, I need praise or this and that. I'm different to my sisters. That I just find it so hard that ADHD still kind of isn't known or is known, but people just don't believe it. Or they don't know what it looks like. They think it's, oh, it means you're stupid. It means you're slow. It doesn't mean any of those things. In fact, as I say, every single time I can, I have never met someone with ADHD that wasn't truly brilliant at something. And I mean, like at the top. So, you know, it's just that we don't learn the way that the school system typically wants us to learn. Yeah, totally. Like School was the hardest time of my life because I just don't want to understand No, they want you to fit into a system. And again, school is set up not for kids to learn. It's set up to basically control them and put them into a system. So honestly, they don't really need to think for themselves, right? They just need to perform the way the system wants them to perform. Just need to remember what to write on the exams, basically. But in fact, I think I had two sisters who were so bright and I I always wanted to be like them. I hated I still do feel different. I feel, and I feel like if I say, to, if I meet, I met, so I moved to my apartments last year and I met a few people here and we were chatting. I was trying to make friends and I, and I kept interrupting this guy and I said, listen, I, ca- I can't help it. I'm like, I'm really trying to stop myself. But my impulsiveness just kept going a bit mad. I said, listen, I've got ADHD. So if I do it, I, I, I'm trying to stop. I can't help it. And he kind of looked at me, like gave me this look. As if people just think, oh, an excuse. Mm. An excuse or defective. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? Um, I would just probably say hyperactivity, to be honest. I'm always just a bit everywhere, and if I didn't have that, I couldn't have fluttered around and done everything that I did, really. Absolutely. I think it it links into the impulsivity, right? Yeah. Oh, my impulsiveness is just always off the scale. (laughs) I always say things or do things, and then I realize what I've done. (laughs) When you're in the middle (laughs) of doing it. I'm like, oh, yeah. But, you know, I was just reading another article about entrepreneurialism and how entrepreneurialism is highly linked to ADHD. And it makes sense. I mean, if we're impulsive and we don't have that fear of jumping in and, you know, typically it's because of the hyperactivity, of course, we're going to do more than someone who doesn't have that. And, you know, even if we, quote unquote, fail, we're still learning. So you fail enough times, you get better and better. I don't care what you're doing. Yeah, totally. I do think that. I don't I don't think I have actually any fear. I never fear failure really. I just I think I don't think about it enough, so I just do it. I was never scared going out on my own or anything. 
it was just, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I'll do it. Jamie, what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? I think surround yourself with people who actually understand you. I've struggled with friends all my life. I've had people in and out of my life. Sometimes people don't understand me, but I would say I've got a couple of good friends now. And I think who let, who let me be me. I'm like one minute I'm chatting away. Then I've said about three topics in a space of five seconds that they're trying to catch up on what I'm actually saying. Then I'm doing a cartwheel over there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so can I I ask you, why do you think you struggled with friendships? Is it as simple as people just thought, oh, she's just too much? I think so. And I think I've carried that with me all the time because I always think I'm too much for people. Now that you have this new set of friends that you feel really accept you for who you are, do you still feel too much? No, but I do feel like I need validation like from them. I, I feel when I have friends, I don't know why. Like, I, I'm such a kind person. I'll do anything for anyone. But when it comes to me, I don't know why I feel it's such an amazing thing that someone wants to be my friend. So I'm like, wow, do I deserve a friendship? Why would they want to be my friend? I'm this, I'm that. But I'm kind of finally accepting. And maybe I'm not too much. This is who I am. And why would I want to be like everyone else? Where all I wanted to be was like everyone else when I was younger. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Okay, so that's brilliant. That's totally brilliant. And I think that that is absolutely where we tend to struggle with ADHD. We don't fit in. We're never going to fit in. And the reason we don't fit in is because we are meant to stand out. Every ADHD woman that I have had the privilege of meeting, I feel those women need to lead. And that is really the crux of it. Once you can figure out where you're going to lead in, then I think all of that, ugh, I need to fit in stuff, it just goes by the wayside. You're young still. (laughs) But I can tell just based on, you know, what we've talked about that, yeah, you're meant to lead as well. Thank you. <laughs> I do feel like that. I feel I feel so strongly about so many things. Like I'm really open about mental health, my struggles, and I I've no shame in speaking about it. And people always message me saying you've helped me this and that. I like to lead things. I do. I want to be a voice. Like this is we're not all supposed to be the same. We're not always. We don't all have a brain like that. You can do what you want. You can be silly or outgoing or mad as you want. You will be accepted for who you are. You know, and over time, too, I think we we also discover that neurotypicals, they're kind of boring, typically. You know, (laughs) women, especially women with ADHD, they're so fun. I mean, I I would way rather be hanging around with you than, you know, a lot of people that are very linear and, oh, this is not appropriate. And, you know, they're they're too little. How about that? We might be too much. They're too little. I like that. And I think think I've been told that all my life, this is not appropriate. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, but it's so fun to be inappropriate, right? This is not appropriate. Oh, oh, you've gone too far the line again. Like, you know. And I would think that in your line of work, you probably can't go too far. No, you can't. I loved it. So, Jamie, what is your number one ADHD workaround? So for me, it's, I would always say exercise. Do you have something like that that helps you? 
I I'm really actually really bad with exercise. I try and go out for walks every day, but when I struggle, obviously mentally as well, I, I sometimes I don't even leave the house. So I think for me, it's being that I need that motivation. I need I need to be accountable to someone. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I won't do things. So how do you get that? I actually have got a few friends here, which are like, right, we're going to go for a walk at lunchtime or we're going to do it after work. Meet me out here and I always try and make an excuse. Like, no, no, I'm knocking on the door now. We're going. <laughs> so again, that's that's another look at structure, right? You kind of build those guardrails for yourself. So if you are saying, you know what, I'm not going to go, your friend's already knocking on the door and say, uh-uh, we're going. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Um, Jamie, are you working on something that you want to tell us about? I'm actually in the middle of writing a book about being a, a girl pat. Oh, I didn't know that. No, well, I say, well, I've started it. So this is the thing, right? I've I spoke to my friend who's a path also an author. I hyper focused on it, right? We're doing this book, it's gonna be amazing. I'm writing this book, we did this for weeks. I'm over it now. I've stopped. Like this is what I do. I hyper focus and I stop and you know, I buy all these books, never read them, but they're on the bookshelf. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and meet up with him um, this weekend and we're going to kind of get my motivation back and we're going to do that. <laughs> you know, I have noticed recently at least two women that are actually starting programs for ADHD women writers for this very reason, so that there is some structure. And your book, I'm assuming, would be a nonfiction book, right? Did you say yeah. it was going to be about being a paparazzi? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. You have to do that. That would be so <laughs> fun. I mean, it'd be really fun to read. <laughs> um, um, you just need to build the structure, right, around yourself in order to do that. Yes. And obviously, so I'm dyslexic, so I do find it really tough to write. So what my friend is doing, I basically either voice note or we're going to meet up um, and I'll tell him what I want to write and he'll put it into a sentence or whatever for me and we'll go around it that way because I just find it so overwhelming and half the time I can't even type properly. (laughs) And that's such a brilliant workaround, Jamie, because I think a lot of us struggle with writing. And just kind of organizing our thoughts. But if you pair up with someone who's really good at that and you can do what you probably do best, which is speak, right? Speak it and tell the stories and then have them actually put it together. There is a very good chance that that book will get written. Yes, definitely. That's wonderful. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you? So they can follow me on my Instagram, what Jamie did. It's J-A-I-M-I-E, because that's quite popular spelling, I think, in the US. But in the UK, no one spells my name right. Or my paparazzi account is at Diary of a Girl Pap on Instagram. At Diary of a Girl Pap, P-A-P? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay. I will make sure that all of that is in the show notes, which you can find at tracyoutsuka.com forward slash podcast. So Jamie, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. That was really fun. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And the best of luck to you. So that is what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Jamie, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. You know how Jamie and I were talking about gold stars. Yeah. Your reviews, they're gold stars. 
One more thing. If you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.